Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Come on, let's give Jesus a great, great shout of praise this morning. Come on, just take 10 seconds and just praise Him in faith for 2024, becoming your 2020 more, your greatest year yet. Give two or three people a high five and just say, get ready, get ready, get ready. I do want to just take a moment to say how proud I am of Pastor Colin and Pastor Melissa and their extraordinary team, their extraordinary team. Pastor Marco leaned over and just said to me, Pastor, like, wow, everywhere I look, I see incredible leaders. You know, the strength of what God is. You know, you know that God is up to something when eagles start gathering. The Ratowskis, uh, eagles. The Hartmans, eagles. The Clarks, eagles. The Robins, eagles. The Chittics, eagles. Like he sends, he's sending all these eagles. Gathering. Beautiful to see Chris and Randy Ross and their, their supermodel, angelic, beautiful, gorgeous daughters. Uh, the Ratowskis and their daughters. The second row looks like, you know, I, 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 had, to, I had to catch myself. Hey, did I die? Did I get hit by a bus? I'm looking at these angels. I'm thinking, oh, dear Jesus, I just died and went to heaven. You guys look so beautiful. And uh, to travel here with uh, Pastor Marco and Pastor Jesse, the, these, these guys are generals, generals, generals. I, I, feel like, I feel like I can stand on a mountain and survey a field. And it doesn't matter how many fortified tanks and how many millions of enemy combatants are in that field. I feel if I've got a Jesse Sullivan on my right and a, and a Marco on my left, we can take that field. They'll figure out a way. These guys are generals. These guys are generals. Can we just honor Pastor Jesse and Pastor Marco? I mean, you could have literally flipped a coin this morning and got the most unbelievable offering word, whether it's Pastor Jesse or Pastor Marco. These guys, you'll feel a weight on their words when they, when they speak. Today's Vision Sunday, so you should have a vision card. And, uh, and I was telling the nine, I'm going to do a little bit of a better job if I can in Jesus' name, get through it. But uh, I was telling the, the church in the nine that most churches, when they have a vision Sunday, will tell you the vision of the church in hopes that you will buy into the vision of the church. And, and I just kind of, I got bored with that after the second or third year of doing that. I thought, why am I doing this? And I talked to all my peers, you know, these other pastors. They're like, well, it's important. You know, people got to get on with the vision. I'm like, if it doesn't come through the other 51 weeks of the year, like, is it really a vision? I remember I was in this church in New Zealand and they said they had, a, they had their vision banner but it was like three years old. You know, they, they put a date on it. And I'm like, you might want to just uh, at least change the date. And it said, our vision 
grow. I'm like, shouldn't that just be like normal? Do you have to have a vision to grow? The church is meant to grow. Anyway, so, uh, and then I had, had other friends saying that, you know, you, you, it's really important you do Vision Sunday because, you know, you've got to have vision because, you know, uh, if there's more than one vision, that's division. Division. And I'm like, oh, gosh. Uh, but then I, I, re- I read this beautiful quote and it really hit me. And it says, this is how the quote goes. It says, in the land of the blind, in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. In the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. And you'd be surprised how many pastors are anointed by God, appointed by God, but have never dealt with their insecurities and their egos. And so they don't mind them being the only one that have a skerrick of vision and you're not allowed to have a vision because if you have a vision, you might leave so they, blind, they, have a, they lead the blind. And Jesus, the only time he spoke about leadership, the prerequisite for leadership is vision. If the blind lead the blind, will they not both fall into a ditch? So vision is something that's important. Um, and I, I felt the Lord say to me, your job is to release vision. So on Vision Sunday, this is not about the church's vision. This is about your vision. Because God says, if you will lead visionaries, you will see things that you never thought possible. I want to lead a church full of visionaries, of dreamers, of I- innovators, entrepreneurs, territory takers planet shakers mountain shifters yeah I, I you know you know and i love it you know it's it's good it's i'm we're here to disrupt i don't mind it's been my assignment since i got here since i landed on this soil you know i didn't grow up in church my dad was an atheist he ran across a minefield to get out of socialism and communism. Just when you talk to people and they think it's a brilliant idea, it's that good that he was a guard on the wall. He said, nobody ever tried to break in. But every day they had to shoot people who were trying to get out. It's that good. It's that good. No one's trying to get in for more communism, but everyone's trying to get out. Anyway, all right. Let, let, me, just, let me just throw one other, throw, let me throw one more grenade. One more. Every now and again, every now and again, Hollywood will, will, they don't really care about God, but they care about being inspirational. And the word inspire, inspiration comes from being in spirit. They don't really care which spirit. They don't care whether it's a demonic spirit, just so long as they are inspired. But every now and again, it'll be the Holy Ghost. One of those, one of those movies or trilogies was The Matrix. And Neo asks the question, what is the matrix? And Morpheus says, the matrix is the world that's been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. This house exists to disconnect you from the matrix, to unplug you from the way of the world that has blinded you from the truth so that you might see. So come with me in your Bibles. The first one we're going to see, I want to show you five areas. And the title of my message this morning is Seeing from Heaven's Perspective. Seeing from Heaven's Perspective. 
God created the heavens and the earth. God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless and void and darkness covered the face of the deep. Spirit of God hovering over the face of the waters. And then in verse 3, God said, let there be light. And there was light. So that means that God created in the dark. Biology, which always lines up with Bible, tells us that for the human eye to see, light must be present. For the human eye to see, light must be present. When there is no light, you cannot see. But for you to see, light must be present. God created the heavens and the earth before he turned on the lights. Why? Because God never asked you to do something he doesn't do himself. God always leads by example. God is a visionary. Visionaries see in the dark. They create in the dark. They construct in the dark. So God creates the heavens and the earth before he turns the lights on. When the light comes on, he, you can now have sight. Before that, it's called vision. Vision is what you see when your eyes are closed. In this house, we want you to see with your eyes closed. If you can see with your eyes closed, you'll hold what you saw in the dark. Genesis 1.29, so God creates man. He gives man authority and dominion over the fish of the sea, birds of the air, beasts of the field, subdue have dominion exercise authority and then in verse 29 God says this he says to Adam the man that he's just made given authority over all the earth all the work of his hands he says to Adam and God said see there's only five times where God specifically interrupts and says see when God says see he's not saying look he's not saying glance he's saying I need you to see what is not apparent I need you to put on vision I need you to go beyond what is natural he says see I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed, to you it shall be for food. To you it shall be for food. The first thing that God says to Adam that he wants him to see is, I want you to see my processes. God is a God of process. God is a God of process. When we come into the kingdom, when you are born again, you are now disconnected from the matrix, but you still think like the matrix because you've all your years, all your programming, all your education is, is matrix oriented. It's been matrix influenced. That's why discipleship is so important. That's why DNA classes are so important. That's why Sunday church attendance is so important. That's why you're the smartest people in all the Treasure Valley. Because when it was 17 degrees this morning, you said, you know what? We're not going to stay here in our nice warm house under this nice warm duvet. I'm going to get out of bed I'm going to get dressed I'm going to get in the car and even though the roads are a little bit slippery we're going to drive to church because we're going to get to the house of God where we're going to hear a word from God where heaven is going to interrupt and is going to disrupt the, the, the paradigms of the earth so I can have a heavenly experience so God, God says to Adam I want you to see that I've given every tree every herb every fruit bearing plant to you it shall be for food in other words, if Adam eats all the watermelons and he's sitting under a tree going, God, that was awesome. Can you make another one? God's like, no. What do you mean? No, I put seed in there. Yeah, I spat them out. Well, you can spit them out or you can plant them. You can have as much or as little. You don't like tomatoes? Don't plant anymore. But if you like tomatoes... Plant more tomatoes. You like zucchini? It's got seed. Everything that you want, 
just plant the seed. Uh, God says, I need you to see process. Because if I look at an orange, I don't see the seed. There's a saying that, that a, a good botanist can tell you how many seeds there are in an apple. A good botanist can tell you how many seeds there are in an orange, but only God can tell you how many oranges there are in a seed. Only God can tell you how many apples there are in a seed. So God is telling Adam, I need you to see my processes. When you get born again, the first thing that you need to understand is God is a God of process. The Bible says, give and it will be given. Press down, shaken together, running over. With the measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. That's a horrible scripture. Most people like to say it, but they don't like to believe it. <laughs> give and it will be given to you. We're like, all right, God, I'm ready to receive. And God's like, good, then give. No, no, you didn't hear me. I said, I'm ready to receive something. I'm believing for breakthrough. This is my year, Pastor Cullen prophesied. It's my year and I'm ready for it. God's like, good, then give. And you're like, no, you don't understand. I'm ready to receive. And God's like, give. And you can argue all day, but he's boss. All right. Jesus said this, it's more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than, than to receive. So, you know, we can, if you've got children, you know that they don't like to give. Sharing is almost anathema, but they love receiving. I've got four kids. My youngest, I remember Zoe growing up, Haley, Zoe growing up. She would unpack, you know, her last gift under the Christmas tree and she'd be looking, is there any more gifts under the Christmas tree? And there'd be no more gifts under the Christmas tree. She's, she's surrounded in gifts. We spoiled her after three sons. We finally got a daughter. We're spoiling her. But she, when she notices that there's no more gifts under the tree, she comes over to me. She goes, Daddy, Daddy, how many sleeps till my birthday? Because she ain't done receiving yet. She's ready to receive. And so Jesus says, Jesus says it's more blessed to give than to receive. Now there are two, two, two brains that can flow right now. The first brain we don't want you to have. Get rid of this brain. It's called a religious brain. The religious brain says kind of ethereal, spiritual things that it's all, has, has no power. So a religious person would say, yes, because it's more blessed to give than to receive. And, and, and you say it, you say it, you don't really believe it. You're like, actually, I really like getting stuff. More than I like giving it away. But, but Jesus, Jesus wasn't a religious super spiro. So how is it more blessed, Colin, to give than to receive? How, how are you, I feel like when I, when I get given, when, you know, when, when uh, Pastor Natalie, Marco's wife, was walked into the receiving of a $19,000 sofa for $1,900, 90% discount. I felt that that was, she was blessed. And yet Jesus says, actually, you're more blessed when you give than when you receive. Is Jesus just using hyperbole? Is he using, or does he know something that maybe we don't know? I wouldn't put to you, it's the latter. Because when you receive the loop is closed. The cycle is complete. 
Because the Bible says, give and it will be given back to you. Press down, shaking together, running over. So once you receive, that's the end of that cycle. So Jesus says, so when you launch out again and you give again, you're more blessed. Because you've just opened the cycle again. You've set in motion again where because you've given, it's coming back to you. When you receive the end of that thing. Abraham received the promise. He received breakthrough in Yitzhak, his son. So in Genesis 22, God tested Abraham, said, Abraham, Abraham, take now your son, your only son whom you love. He had to say that because Abraham had two sons, Ishmael and Isaac. If God would have just said, hey, I feel like an offering, give me one of your boys, Abraham would have gone, Ishmael, Ishmael. How you doing, buddy? How old are you now? A hundred? Twenty-six. It seems like a hundred. Feels like you've lived a whole lifetime. Anyway, anyway, the Lord's asked for you by name, by name. Not specifically. Not specifically. I'm reading between the lines. God didn't want Ishmael. Ishmael was what Abraham could do without. He says, take now your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and offer him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will show you. God wasn't asking Abraham to give because God had a need. Just so you know. Let me, let me just help you. I don't like awakened church. You're always asking people to give like after your money. Let me tell you something. God does not need your money. So we can stop giving. No, no, just because he doesn't need it doesn't mean he doesn't want it. I'm feeling uncomfortable already. (laughs) Where's the exit door? How do I get out of here? No, no, just because God doesn't need your money doesn't mean he doesn't want it. Well, why does he want it if he doesn't need it? I'm getting there. Hold on. (laughs) Because the Bible says that your money is attached to something of far greater value than your money. The Bible says, where your treasure is there, your your heart will be also. If he has your treasure, he has your heart. If he doesn't have your treasure, you can facade all you like on the outside. He doesn't have your heart. Where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. So so Jesus Jesus is teaching us that that there's a a process. Adam's assignment was to take seed, go to the edge of the garden where garden meant wilderness. Remember, Adam was created in the wilderness, placed in a garden. Adam's assignment was to go to the edge of the garden where garden meant wilderness. You know who operates in the wilderness? Who dwells in the wilderness? The devil. The devil, he lives in deserts. Jesus says when a demon is cast out of a man, it goes through dry and arid places seeking rest. When Jesus was driven by the Holy Spirit to be tempted, he was driven into the wilderness to be tempted the wilderness is the devil's terrain Adam's assignment was to go to the edge of the garden where garden met wilderness and take seed from the garden and plant it into the wilderness to increase the garden to decrease why are we in Boise because we're here to increase the kingdom and to decrease to decrease the territory of the of the evil one Right now what's happening, what's happening around the world, and uh, a lot of people call me a conspiracy theory, and thank you. Uh, What's the difference between a conspiracy theory and a prophet? Uh, About three to six months. And uh, and just so you know, Psalm 2 says that the, the nations conspire. 
the rulers gather and they conspire against the Lord and against his servants. So they, they, they want you to believe that there's a shortage in the world. We just went to Vegas to the Sphere and the Sphere has a show that they're, sh that, and it's brilliant. Vegas has nothing to say, but they spend billions on saying it. The church has the greatest message to say. And sometimes it's like, dear goodness gracious, they have nothing to say and they spend all this money. They, they, they have a, 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 a movie there that they play called Postcard from Earth. And the claptrap is unbelievable. And life created itself. Hang on, whoa, whoa, stop. If something doesn't exist, it can't create itself into existence. For it to create, it has to be. That's why your Bible begins with, in the beginning, God. Well, who made God? Exactly. Exactly. Whoever made God would be God. Something has to be in the beginning. Well, how do we know it for sure? Are you here, darling? <laughs> you are living evidence that something began, otherwise you wouldn't be. As Plato says, I think, therefore I am. Because you are here, something began the beginning, and the Bible describes the beginner of the beginning as God. In the beginning, God. God is the beginner of the beginning. But in this 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 extraordinary 3.7 billion is what they spend it's a modern day temple to humanism uh, and 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 basically it says that the world is overpopulated that there's there's not enough resources there's not enough food well of course there isn't because Bill Gates you're buying all the farmland to shut them down you're, you're destroying food processing plants because you want to create a famine Joseph Stalin created a famine Pol Pot famine Idi Amin famine it's amazing they want to control because they know whoever controls the food population uh, food can control the population the Bible says it doesn't Bible says be fruitful multiply fill the earth and then I want you to see seed you can have as much or as little you can take one orange seed and plant it in the ground it'll produce an orange tree that will produce thousands of oranges with tens of thousands of seeds. You can plant tens of thousands, but let's say let's say you're not that clever or that resourceful, so you only plant a thousand. Now you've got a thousand orange trees with ten thousand, so that's ten million seeds. Within two or three cycles, there's no shortage of oranges in the world. It's only because we've strayed from God's principles yep. that there's lack. Yep. But they want lack. The people that want to control you want to create. They want to generate lack because lack produces fear. And fear gets people to relinquish their autonomy and, and their, in exchange for survival. So see God's processes. I've done a terrible job. Number two. Number two. Number two. Number two. Number two. Number two, Exodus 7 verse 1. Exodus 7 verse 1. I want you to see identity. See identity. So the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you as God to Pharaoh. Aaron, your brother, shall be your prophet. In Exodus chapter 3, God appears to, to, to Moses and he says, Moses, you're going to go down to Pharaoh. You're going to whoop Pharaoh. It's time. It's time. 400 years. It's enough. 10 generations. 10, 40, judgment testing it's time I'm going to deliver them with a mighty hand you're going to go to Pharaoh you're going to command him let my people go I'm going to be with you what's that in your hand it's a stick throw it down turns into a serpent pick it up again turns into a stick again you're going to do magic tricks it's going to be awesome 
together, you and me. And Moses' response is, who am I that I should go? For four chapters, Moses is whining and complaining, whining and complaining. How can I? I can't go to Pharaoh. I can't. And God's like, who made man's mouth? Are you serious? Well, I'm not eloquent of speech. Oh, I didn't realize I needed somebody eloquent. I don't need you to go and deliver eloquence. I need you to go and deliver my word. My word never returns to me void. It, it always accomplishes that for which I send it out. I don't need you to be articulate. I don't need my word in your mouth sets you over. But Moses can't see what God has made him. He sees a kid that grew up without a daddy, sees a kid that was adopted into a palace. He sees that he never fit in. He always stood out, but he didn't realize he was standing out because he's meant to be outstanding because he's not meant to fit in. And so God has to say to him, I need you to see, I have made you as God to Pharaoh. In other words, everything shifts when you see who God has made you. Your identity, the Bible says our lives are hidden with Christ in God or hidden with God in Christ Jesus. The greatest, the greatest moment in your life is when you see God. The second greatest moment happens directly after because when you see God, you see you. The Bible says in his light, we see light. God is light. In him, there is no darkness. That's why Jesus says, who do men say that I am? And they say, well, some say Elijah, Jeremiah, you know, Isaiah, one of the prophets. Who do you say? Well, you're the Christ, son of the living God. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, identity from biology. But let me tell you who you really are. Now that you see me, let me now reflect that light back on you. You are Peter. You're not Reed, Simon. You are rock, Peter. And on this rock of revelation, I will build my church. When you see God, you begin to see yourself. God operates on a different frequency. Heaven has a frequency and the earth has a frequency. Just like your, your transistor radio has AM frequency and FM frequency. God, when he speaks, always speaks in the language of destiny. Always speaks in the language of destiny. To Moses, he had a destiny. To Gideon, he has a destiny. To Isaiah, he has a destiny. Jeremiah, destiny. God always speaks in destiny. But we respond not in the language or the frequency of destiny. We respond in the language of identity. God says to Moses, you're going to go to Pharaoh. Moses' response, who am I that I should go? God comes to Gideon in a wine press. Gideon, you mighty man of valor, rise and go in the strength of yours and you will defeat Midianites as though they were one man. And Gideon says, who am I that I should go? God's speaking destiny, but Gideon is responding with identity. The devil knows this fact, that whoever holds your identity controls your destiny. Whoever holds your identity controls your destiny. Ask any human trafficker. A human trafficker, whenever they take a young child, male or female, or a woman caught in prostitution, the first thing they do is they take away any of their papers, passport, driver's license, anything that identifies them, they take away because they know that whoever holds your identity controls your destiny. 
The devil has been warring against this generation. This generation has had a battle with identity. It's had a battle with identity. I identify as, I identify as, I identify as. The devil seeds thoughts of one, you can just become whatever you identify as. You know what's going to happen? They're going to find that that doesn't work, that doesn't work. You can identify as an emu. It doesn't make you an emu. I identify as, it doesn't matter, darling. You can identify all day long. The greatest thing you can do is discover who God says that you are and when you see when you see who God has made you it'll begin to unlock the destiny within you somebody say amen so I want you to see number three number three I want you to see taking territory see taking territory Joshua chapter six Joshua chapter six verse one it says, now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out, none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I've given Jericho into your hand, its king and its mighty men of valor. Jericho was a city that for 40 years, when they heard that God had delivered Israel out of Egypt and then parted the Red Sea, so the entire nation walked across on dry ground, Word got to the king of Jericho that not only had God done this for people, there was no ever, ever, ever any record of a God doing this for its people. And that God had promised this people the land of Canaan. The first city when you cross the Jordan River into the land of Canaan is Jericho. They are the first. So the king of Jericho doesn't want to give up his territory. The devil never wants to give up territory. He doesn't give up what, what belongs to you. Just so you know, that's why you have to drive the devil out. We've got to drive him out of our schools. We've got to drive him out of our curriculum. We've got to drive him out of our colleges. We've got to drive him out of the high places, drive him out of government. We've got to... Wherever we find the devil, we've got to drive him out. So, so he calls together his, his architects, his engineers, his constructions, and he says, listen, they're coming this way. How do we fortify? And they come together and they say, listen, we can build a compound that's impregnable. There is no human technology that can take down these walls. So they build these walls so high, so thick, there are apartments, there are homes in the walls. Many Bible scholars tell us that, that the walls were so high and thick the chariots could race around on top. It looked like an impregnable fortress. It looked like Joshua should just go around and leave them be. But Joshua now stands there and he's having a moment with the angel of the Lord. And the angel of the Lord says, take the sandals off your feet. The place where you're standing is holy ground. And he says, now I want you to see Jericho. And when you look at it, I'm not asking you to look, I'm asking you to see if you look, you'll see impossible. If you look, you'll see impregnable. I'm not asking you to look, I'm telling you to see. I want you to see that I've given Jericho into your hand. It's king, authority, and it's mighty men of valor, strength. I want you to see that it's, it's authority and it's strength is no match for the authority and strength that I will give to a visionary. The reason God sent Colin and Melissa up here is because these people are just crazy enough to believe if God says something can be done, it can be done. They don't look at the walls, they don't look at the steels, they don't look at the architecture, they don't look at the construction, they don't look at the materials. They look to God. They believe God. And so God says to, to Joshua, I want you to see, I've given Jericho into your hand. It's king and it's mighty men. See the king groveling on his knees, these crown toppled from him, his throne tip behind him and he's begging for merciful swift death see the mighty men of valor cut bleeding and vanquished chained 
begging for their lives. I want you to see because God is telling us something here that until you see that you've been given authority over something, you'll never conquer that. You cannot conquer what you don't see God has given you authority over. You'll always be be dominated or subject to uh, that addiction, lust addiction, pornography addiction, anger addiction, gambling addiction, alcohol addiction, drug addiction, until you come to the point where you see that God has given you authority over it, over its over its strengths and over its authority. That's why it's the king and the mighty men of valor, its authority and its strength. When you realize that greater is he that is in you, that God has given you authority, all of a sudden you'll kick that addiction, you'll break its power and you'll be delivered. But you've got to see that God has given you authority. Somebody say amen. Can you handle two more? Honestly? All right. Oh, there it is. Numero cuatro, por favor. All right. Number four, see provision. In 1 Kings 17, verse 9, Elijah prophesies a drought. A drought hits the land. Ahab and Jezebel are destroying everything. It's a little bit like what's happening in America. You'll always know when wickedness is in authority, it affects the economy negatively. So Elijah is by a brook called the Cherith Brook. And, and ravens are uh, feeding Elijah bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. But it came to pass, it came to pass because of the famine that the brook dried up. The brook dried up. You may say, well, you know, 2020, 2021, 22, 23, this income that I had, this career that I had, this job that I had, this, this thing that was feeding me, that was nourishing me, this, this income stream, this thing that was flow, this cash flow has been drying up. Just because you lose a source of provision, don't think like the world. The world, if they lose their source of provision, panic. Your God owns the streams. Your God commands the ravens. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. God can click His fingers over here and provide there. He can command this and it provides As long as you have God, you have your provider. One of the ways that he's identified as Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who sees and in seeing provides. So the Bible says, when the brook begins to dry up, verse 9, God says to Elijah, arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon and dwell there. See, see, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. Elijah goes down to to Zarephath. And the Bible says as soon as he comes into the city gates, he sees a widow dressed in black in mourning clothes, gathering sticks to build a fire. And he says, that's interesting. God says, I'll see a widow and here's a widow. So he calls out, hey, widow, hey, woman, would you go and get me a little cup of water? Because it's a drought. And she says, okay. He says, this must be the woman. God says a woman, a widow would provide. Here's a widow and she knows where water is in a drought. This must be, he says, oh, and while you're going, can you also make me a little cake? I haven't eaten since breakfast. I'm feeling a little peckish. Would you? And now she, now she stops. And she says, as the Lord your God lives, I don't have a small cake to make you. I've got enough flour and enough oil to make one last cake and me and my son, you ain't invited. Me and my son are going to eat it and die. 
Right there I'd be thinking, I got the wrong widow. I'm so sorry, honey. I thought Bill Gates had an accident and died and I thought you were Mrs. Gates. I thought Warren Buffett was struck by lightning and you're Mrs. Buffett. I'd be, think, I'd be thinking I got the wrong widow. But Elijah doesn't see as the world sees. Elijah doesn't see as the world sees. Let me just say this. God does not need favorable circumstances. Most people, oh, I'm so sorry, sweetheart. I'm sorry I bothered you. I'm so sorry. Oh, that's tragic. Oh, oh, um, gosh. Oh, that's difficult. Sorry for your loss. God doesn't. Genesis 1-3, God says, let there be light. Light was. This is how good God is. The evening and the morning, the first day. God doesn't create the sun until the fourth day. He creates light on the first day. Second day, He separates the waters above from the waters beneath. Third day, He creates the dry land. And then on the fourth day, He creates the sun, moon, and the stars. Just to put a gap between there and there of three days. So it would be a message when Yeshua ben Elohim goes to a cross, to die on a cross and step into the darkness. He knows that the nature of Abba, his father, is he don't need no favorable circumstances. When he sends his word and says, let there be light, he waits three days till he creates anything that could remotely be accused of helping him. He don't need a favorable economy. He doesn't need, he doesn't need. You can prosper even though we have Biden in the White House. Now we're trying to get him out. And God willing, this year we're going to vote his keister out of there. But I'm telling you, God's, God's word works in the mountaintop. It works in the valley. It works in the drought. It works in the famine. It works in the times of plenty. God's word never returns. It always, it works in every season. Now watch this. <clears throat> Elijah comes to a widow. Elijah just had breakfast. The ravens, and now he goes to Zarephath. He sees a widow. He asks the widow to make him a small cake. The widow tells him, I don't have anything for you. I've only got enough to make one last meal. Then me and my son, we're going to eat it and we're going to die. The world says, and this is why you are the smartest people in the Treasure Valley, because you came to the house of God to get wrecked. Because the world says, hey, 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 Elijah, I know the brook dried up and things are difficult, but you know what, Elijah? There's always someone worse off than you. You know what Elijah didn't say? Oh, thank you, sweetheart. Come here. What are you doing? You're ministering to me. <laughs> There's always someone worse off than me, and I just found you. Whenever someone says to you, well, you know, there's always someone of worth, slap them. How does that help them? Oh, I feel better now. Look at your miserable life. <laughs> like what? Did Elijah make a mistake? Elijah realizes, oh my God, oh my God. I lost my source, which was a river. 
this poor sweetheart lost her source, which was her husband, the father of her children, the husband, the provider. And the Lord sent Elijah to unlock and provide. And he says, woman, don't be afraid. Go and do exactly what you have said. But Pastor Jurgen just preached three other points. The first one was see God's processes. Darling, go and do this. Go and bake that cake, but bring me a small cake from it first. Put sustaining the word in your city first. Put preserving God's kingdom first. You bring, if you bring the first fruits, if you honor the Lord with the first fruits of all your increase, your vats will overflow with new wine and your barns will be filled with plenty. Put me first. She realizes she's got enough for one meal and die or she can throw caution to the wind. And God had already put it into her heart like he put into Natalie's heart. We're going to paint the house and we're going to sell it. And so she decides she's going to, so she bakes a cake. So last, the, the, the jar is empty, the oil's run out and she comes and she gives to the man of God. She watches. back to her house that's weird I could have sworn it was she makes one more cake there's enough for one more cake but now now, now it's empty now now oh hang on hang on man of God man of God I know you're having a nap I'm trying to get some sleep I know I know that um, would you we're hungry we want to eat but we won't eat till we made you a small cake first. I'm not hungry. Please, can you eat it? Because we are. So he comes out, eats. They eat. She goes back. Oh my gosh, there's enough flour and enough oil. The Bible says she and her entire household ate for the entire famine. Now, it's interesting. It begins with me and my son. That's not a household. That's me and my son. She and her entire household. She's got cousins, nephews, cousins twice removed. I mean, there's a young, she's like, how are we related? Oh, you don't know, but um, my name is Ranjit and I am your second cousin. She is my sister-in-law's cousin's uncle's brother's next door neighbor. And I'm just like, she. God's principles work. God's principles work. God's principles. This year, this year, this year, this year, see provision. See provision. You don't need the economy. You don't need the government. You don't need welfare. You don't need Bidenomics. You don't need none of that. God's word works. God's works. word works in the dark. God said in the dark, let there be light. And the darkness couldn't stop it. He couldn't comprehend it. Light came. God's word works. And the last one, last one. Jeremiah 1, 9 and 10. God comes to Jeremiah and he reaches out his hand and he touches Jeremiah's mouth and he puts Jeremiah's, he puts his word in Jeremiah's mouth. And then he says this in verse 10. He says, Jeremiah, I need you to see, see that I've set you over nations. I've set you over kingdoms to root out, to pull down, to destroy, to build and to plant. I need you to see that I've set you over 
this year see that God has given you authority. This year see that His Word in your mouth set you over. I'm not stronger than a bull elephant. I couldn't flip a bull elephant. I know you're like, what? You look so... No, I'm sorry. That's Marco. I can't outrun a lion. And yet man has been given dominion over the animals. We're not stronger or faster, more agile than the animal kingdom, and yet we have dominion over them. God created the animals. God created the fish, the birds, the beasts. God created them all. But then he said, let's crown this. Let's make man in our image and in our likeness. How are we like God? God is a speaking God. God said, and it was so. God said, and it was so. God said, and it was so. And God says, let's create a man. Let's create man in our image and let him be like us so that we can put our word in his mouth so that he can have authority over. In 2020, when COVID came, a lot of churches closed shop. 2021, 2022, a lot of churches never reopened again. They never made it through. And it wasn't because of COVID didn't kill the churches. It just exposed how the churches had drifted from the Word of God. All the churches that were still preaching the Word of God, who were still standing on the Word of God, thrived through that. Because let me tell you, God doesn't watch over Jürgen's Word. The Bible says that God watches over His Word to perform it. God watches over His Word. I'm smart if I don't preach my Word, if I preach His Word. I don't mind preaching His Word. In fact, I know when I preach His Word because I get persecuted. And the persecution doesn't harm me, it helps me. True story, my wife is like, you're crazy. You actually enjoy this. I'm like, well, I just feel like it tells me I'm over the target. Watch this. Three times Satan comes after Jesus in the wilderness. I mean, Jesus is God. If all, all, you know, Jesus could have, bam. I mean, he could have just, but just like, no, I gotta, I gotta, I'm not the one who's gonna carry out sentence for the next 2,000 years. My church, my followers are going to kick you from one side of the earth to the other. Everywhere they find you, they're going to drive your aspect out. I said aspect. So he says, hey, devil, you want me to turn stones into bread? You want me to use my anointing for myself? It is written. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So Satan takes him up onto the pinnacle of the temple. And Satan tries to get a little bit spiritual. He says, well, you know, it's written. Throw yourself down. The angels will guard you unless you dash your foot against a stone. Oh, okay, so you're saying God's bipolar, are you? That one scripture can contradict another one? I don't think so. The word is seamless. It is also written, thou shalt not test the Lord thy God. Now Satan takes him up onto a high mountain, shows him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory and their splendor. And the devil says, all these are mine and I can give them to whoever I want. There's nobody here, nobody knows. This can be our little secret. If you just bow here in the wilderness with nobody looking, you don't have to go to the cross. I'll give them all to you. Jesus is smart. He says, really? Nobody sees my little secret sin? Nobody may see it, but everyone will know it.
because you'll st still be an authority. I haven't come here to leave you an authority. I've come to strip you of authority. And if I go to go to the cross to do it, I'll do it. So he says, devil, it is written. You shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Three times he whooped the devil with the word of God. That's why the devil wants the word out of our schools. He wants the word out of our colleges. He wants the word of God out of our You know why? Because he's terrified of it. He's terrified of a church that puts God's word in your mouth. Now let me drop one more grenade and then I'm gonna, I promise I'm going to pray and get off the platform. This is going to mess you up, but it's good for you. God's word in your mouth is just as powerful as God's word in God's mouth because it's God's word. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God and all things were made by Him. All things were made for Him and all things were made through Him. Nothing that is made was made without Him. In Him all things exist. In Him was life. In Him was light. And that light is the light of the Word is powerful. The devil doesn't want you to realize that His Word in your mouth... The word, when you read it, has power to transform your thinking. But when you speak it, it has power to transform your world. That's why a carpenter asleep on a boat with, with experienced fishermen trying to displace water so they don't sink in a sea. The fisherman asked the carpenter, come and help us. But the carpenter stands up and says, peace, be still. And immediately the wind and the waves go into a calm. So the disciples are terrified and said, who is this? Who is this? They realized that the word was flesh dwelling among them because they saw the wind and the waves obey him. You know why the wind and the waves obey? Because the wind and the waves came into existence through the word. God said, let there be, and it was so. God said, let there be. The world around you recognizes the word. It responds to the word. The word has authority. Satan tried to crucify the word. He tried to kill the word, but you can't kill the word. He put the word into the ground, but on the third day, it rose again, conquering death, conquering hell, and the word today has power. In this house, we're going to teach you how to put the word in your mouth and begin to shoot it out, begin to declare it, begin to prophesy, begin to declare 2024 is 2020 more, begin to declare this year God is restoring relationships, this year we're going to buy our first home, this year I'm getting married, this year breakthrough, this year pregnancy, this year. Come on, let's stand to our feet, let's stand to our feet, let's stand to our feet. Come on, if you received that this morning, give God a praise this morning. Come on, give Him a praise. I want you to do this with your vision card. And, and you know, my, my, my assignment today was to, to wreck you in a good way. That's my, that's my job. It's a great job, Jesse. The Holy Ghost says to me, it's like, it's, like, it's like we're in the dressing room and I'm about to walk out onto the field. It's like, all right, your assignment today is just wreck the way they think. Just mess them up in a good way. This, this card, I don't, don't, don't write on things that you can do. Okay, this year I'm going to... No, don't do this. Write something on here that has a gap. That has a gap that only God can fill. We've been doing this for probably about 12 years. And if I look back on 12 years of this, as I'm writing it, I'm like, oh, there's no way it's but I don't want to ever tell God there's no way. He's like, what? Nothing? Nothing. I'm just saying. Just saying. There's no way like your way. 
But as I'm writing, I'm like, oh my God. And I get to the end of the year and I look at my card and I'm like, check, check, check. Oh my, check. It sounds like a wish list. A wish list is for somebody that don't know the Bible, don't know God and don't have faith. If you don't have those three, knock yourself out with a wish list. But if you discover those three, you don't need a wish list. God's power works. God's power works. God's principles work. The greatest days of your life are in front of you. And it's moments like this where we unlock them. Whatever you're believing for, if you're believing for a home, maybe you're believing for a two-bedroom home, add a bedroom. God, I can see my way to a two-bedroom apartment, but I'm believing for a three-bedroom house. Whatever it is, God, you know, this year, this year we want to give $50,000. You know what, God, this year I want to believe that we're going to give 100000 How many people know you've got to make it to give it? Just, just begin to put, put something in there that, that you can't do with your arm. And you'll see God. God needs an invitation. Faith is, hey God, this is what, but I can't do it on my own. You need to understand so many times, so many times God's like, oh, I would have loved to have, but you didn't invite me. How many people know that we do prayer here? Tuesday morning men's prayer. Is it Thursday morning women's prayer? You know what prayer is? Prayer is an invitation to God. God, God is an invitation only God. He wants to do things in your life, but He won't force His way in. God will never, all right, out of, out of my way, out of my, here I am. He'll never do that. But He loves to respond to an invitation. Get your vision card this morning. We're going to have the team come forward. Get your vision card this morning. Put some stuff on there. Whatever you're believing God for this year, step out in faith. Step out in faith. So skeptic will say, well, hang on, hang on, Pastor. What if I write on there that I want to make $10 million and, and that $10 million, you know, takes me out? Well, the $10 million didn't take you out. Your immaturity, your inability to honor the God who brought the breakthrough. Not the $10 million. You, th- you, think, you think God's walking around in heaven going, Gabriel, I think I put too much gold in the earth. I think I put too much wealth down there. God is, God is, God is believing that there are people, whether they make 10 million or 10 trillion, that they will honor Him with the first fruits. They'll give all glory to Him. Anybody can glory God when they got nothing. But can you glorify Him when you got everything? Come on, lift your hands. Father, I thank you for breakthrough. Thank you for the miraculous. Thank you for a church that sees your processes. Thank you, Lord God, for a a church that sees who you have made them. Thank you, Lord God, for a church that sees what what er, er, areas they are to conquer. Thank God for a church that sees your provision. And thank you, Heavenly Father, for a church that sees the power that is in your word, in their mouth. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen. For more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.